just the three of us it's not just dave it's not just me it's not just the other guy talking everybody's here finally i mean (laughs) we're we're finally making this a nice even number and i think that's great yeah you're feeling a little left out there ben yeah and you know what i'm firing ben finally (laughs) i'm so glad you said left too you know left that out it's a nice little pun here because You know, we, we do talk about that left-leaning side of our, our politics, but uh, tonight we're going to change it up a little bit. And you know how we're going to do that? Change. We're going to talk to somebody across the country. Across the country? Who's actually willing to have a conversation with us. Whoa. I'm excited. Yeah. So we actually, tricked another we, guest. To we tricked up. another guest. He thought we were going to be friendly. That's not happening. That's not happening at all. But we do have uh, Taylor Eland. From uh, where in California again? Fresno, California. Fresno, California. Fresno, California. Well, welcome to the show, Taylor. Thanks for uh, coming on. Um, you're a brand spanking new attorney as of 2022, and you have a very busy life. And coming on to this show at 6 o'clock in the evening, California time, is, you know, I know it uh, probably conflicts with a lot of things that you have to do. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me on. I'm truly happy to be here yeah i mean and and again he has a real job like i mean it's like there's stakes with his job yeah which is new for us this is uh this is a different i know you and dave are confused about having like (laughs) something that has consequence right 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 so something happens if we don't do our job well oh shit so as all of our listeners know um fdr's wheelchair is a humor podcast based upon uh politics that are pretty much predominantly from the left and uh in this weird, strange landscape of politics that we live in, it's, it's, it's very difficult to find people, both on the left and the right, that can have a meaningful intellectual conversation about um, ideology, politics, culture, uh, name it, yeah, you yeah. name it. And particularly coming from our point of view, and I think, Taylor, you might see a little bit of the same thing, um, particularly these days, the MAGA right has, has poisoned a lot of... Uh, conservative ideology to where most people don't even see what a clear conservative ideology that is workable and part of a sustainable American democracy is all about. And you got to have competing ideas, competing ideologies, competing parties in order to make a liberal democracy work. So having this conversation, Taylor, with you, I think is really, really, really important. Um, and I think we'll just kind of shoot off some questions about yourself and, yeah. you know, where you come from and, you know, how you came about, um, you know, your whole identity um, culturally and politically. And, and thanks again for doing this, too, because, uh, again, like we've already kissed. Um, his ass. No, right. I mean, we, we have we have. But <laughs> it, it, it does matter because it does start with us. Right. If we're going to have a podcast, we want to have these conversations. We're glad we can do it. Um, but I'm just I'm just glad we can have this. I'm, I'm glad this can still be something that exists and something that we can try to revitalize more in our country is these type of conversations. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, look, if we're going to have these conversations, I'm not going to get any better if I stay in my comfort zone. You're not going to get any better if you stay in your comfort zone. And there are other points that need to be talked about. I mean, more conservatives like myself need to talk more about how populism has infected our side and has turned conservatism upside down on its head um, in ways that it hasn't done so on the left. And 
you know, every now and then you're going to have to hear from mm-hmm. my side about mm-hmm. how, you know, your more fringe wings have sort of turned you guys upside down mm-hmm. on your head. So I'm happy to be here. And I'm happy to have this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So my name is Taylor Eland. Um, as you said earlier, I am a relatively newly minted attorney in California. I went to law school in Washington State, but I was, I would say raised, technically wasn't born, but might as well have been born um, in Central California. We are the agricultural heart of not just California, but much of the United States. Uh, and we grow a lot of everything. Um, it's not like the Midwest where all they, all they have is corn. You know what I mean? We <laughs> and some weed now. And some weed. And They've some got weed. cows too, man. Like... <laughs> we have cows as well. <laughs> and we have talked about California's rich agricultural diversity. We, we, have. we have. We did a whole episode because, um, Taylor, I'm, I don't know if you knew this. I'm from California too, but I'm way more down south than you. There so. you go. Uh, nobody cares. Uh, Continue, Taylor. <laughs> we were bonding. I'm man. sorry. I'm sorry. You guys Damn, were bonding. Dude. <laughs> so i grew up in central california which is a much more conservative compared uh, area compared to most of the state uh, unless you get like really north then it starts getting a little bit more wacky and then you know that was sort of the the foundation for my political and cultural belief system um now i often make the argument that california conservatism and even california republicanism looks very different from the rest of the country we tend to be much more socially um tolerant because at the end of the day this is this is california even here in fresno mm-hmm. uh there's a pretty vibrant you know lgbt scene and stuff like that and it's really something that i don't care about especially as a 25 year old right? yeah. i grew yeah. up in the world of tolerance and i that side of this of this uh, wing of politics in u.s politics doesn't vibe with me and it doesn't vibe with a lot of california conservatives that i know i then spent some time in my undergraduate years down in san diego which was even like there was a little bit of a culture shock because you get into a much more i wouldn't call it liberal because there's still a lot of military down there but you get into a very different mindset and then you start to really learn what california is actually about which you don't even get in the central valley um with its you know diversity and tolerance and big ideas so down there as i sort of wrestled with my more libertarian leanings and became aware that okay the state has a point and the state needs to do certain things and it is actually a useful Mm -hmm. tool in very specific circumstances, not necessarily everywhere, mm-hmm. then that's when I really start to like hone in on what I believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was looking around, what made us successful was could be boiled down to three simple things, you know. And I would say it's capitalism, tolerance, and big ideas. And when you put those three things together, you know, you essentially get the United States of America, which is what, in my opinion, one of you know the best civilizations that's ever graced the planet, if not the best even with its flaws, which there, mm-hmm. there are many. And that was another thing that I really came to appreciate about California was that we've made it a point to sort of address those flaws. We don't always, I would argue, we don't often mm-hmm. uh, execute well on those points that are flawed, but we, we try, which is more than what a lot of the country can say, and mm-hmm. especially a lot of, quote, my side. Um, so then, you know, I, I sort of turned into like this small L libertarian, kind of sort of neocon, um, is what they would call me, or rhino type of conservative mm-hmm. in my undergraduate years. And then I went to law school. Mm. And law school turned everything up on its head, because then you actually <laughs> learn how the American system works, mm-hmm. right? And both sides do this thing. They both they, they both trick you, where they give right. you some like oversimplified way of looking at the legal system and looking at the country and how wonderful or terrible or whatever it is. And they don't tell you how it actually works. And the whole thing is this giant cobweb of laws and structures and institutions that work together that tend to, in my opinion, 
make life better than it would be without these institutions. Mm -hmm. But they're so complicated that nobody has a true grasp on how the whole system works. So they get frustrated with it. They blame the system when actually the system, from what you're looking at, is a wonderful system. It's just so convoluted that it's hard to grapple with all the... You know, the Correct, complexity and, and you can make the argument that it's the worst system on the planet, but frankly, it's the best one we're using right now. So, you know, can it be improved? It's that Absolutely. Winston Churchill quote: uh, "Democracy is terrible, <laughs> but it's the best one we have." <laughs> right. <you know>. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and you know, having, when I was learning how the laws actually work and interplay with each other, and how legal theory operates in this country, and how the courts operate, and why we did the things that we did, and how it all builds on top of each other over time my entire political worldview changed. I became mm. much less of a, quote, libertarian. I became much more comfortable with the state. But again, it turns back on the, uh -huh. there are certain things I wanted to do. There are certain things I wanted to get the hell out of. Mm -hmm. And our job as a people is to make sure it's directed at the right goals. And those goals, I think, were outlined you know, quite beautifully mm -hmm. in the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, mm -hmm. and the pursuit of happiness. And as right. long as we're feeling moving towards, I would never say we're there, but moving towards those goals, mm -hmm. this country will continue to thrive. And then there are, you know, years like this year where it feels like we're moving away from those goals and mm -hmm. our country is faltering. And that's what I have mm -hmm. an issue with. So after that, I, could, I basically had to wrestle, and I did this a little bit on my show, uh, with what conservatism means. And at the end of the day, what I am after is preserving American ideas. Now, when mm -hmm. I say American ideas, I don't mean the 1950s. I don't mean the past. It's not a nostalgic concept. It's a, <laughs> I, I don't have words for it, but a lot of people, like you, when you said 1950s, I think a lot of people go back to nostalgia in their head and say, that's the way America was intended to be. Well, no, you know, it's, it's a combination of, you know, federalist ideas, civil rights, civil liberties, those three ideas combined into what you were talking about. What is the appropriate role of the state to make things better? hopefully, for everybody. Correct. And, yeah. you know, it, it's pretty simply stated, um, like, all men are created equal, and men meaning humans, not necessarily men. And that is what we're striving for. We're striving for a free, a free system where all people are equal, regardless of creed, regardless of economic status, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless mm -hmm. of identity. And mm -hmm. as long as we keep pushing towards that, and we'll continue to build upon our strengths, not just as a nation, but as a people. And we will continue to push the world forward, which we have for a long time. Yeah. So you like you also seem like somebody then like would, would look at the 20th century and the biggest part to celebrate is its progress, its ability Correct. to progress mm -hmm. at all times. Okay. So what you're saying is that um, the conservative and liberals have come together and solved all the, all the problems. Because, <laughs> I mean, like what you're well, saying right now, Taylor – is exactly how we would we would see it as well. Sweet, ten minutes in, we're done. Yeah, we're done. Right. We, we saw it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, that, you know, the country, with all its flaws, is in a linear upward progression with a lot of yes. peaks and dips. Where it feels like right now we we're, we're we're in quite a dip, but history shows that it's pretty cyclical, and that hopefully that trajectory will continue on its upward path. And it's our job to talk about that trajectory and mm -hmm. to make sure that we continue it going upwards. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's a joke, like a lot of the MAGA right likes to point at people like me and say, you are just a progressive driving the speed limit. And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a thought. That's exactly what I've never heard now, that. I, I do like that. So, <laughs> so you were kind of mentioning there, like near the end, like um, kind of like painting the picture of who you are and where mm -hmm. your beliefs come from. 
um, kind of like your more recent feelings and stances of things, especially it sounds like there may have been some moments on Twitter in which this kind of arise as well. Can you kind of explain like, you know, some of your more recent thoughts and positions? Sure. So um, it, you, you have to tie all things back, unfortunately, with the right to Trump. And that's something that's mm-hmm. frustrating um, to, 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 to no end. But mm-hmm. so in 2016, I was much more libertarian. So I had, you know, when it was Hillary versus Trump, I really had no dog in this race. Mm-hmm. Um, my ballot, act, I was technically an absentee voter, so my ballot never arrived in the mail. So I didn't vote in 2016. But my intention was to do a write-in libertarian candidate and focus on local elections. I did not care. L- um, Lyndon LaRousse is dead, by the way, so you couldn't write him in. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I didn't like Gary Johnson either, because he, he was just kind of goofy. And, yeah. So I was just going to focus on local oh, What do you mean? He knows what Aleppo is, right? Gary Johnson, man. Yeah, what a great, like fun, pothead uncle to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as I was going through my undergraduate years, my law school years, you know, we were talking the Trump presidency and um, the Trump presidency was one of those things where when it started, I was like, OK, you know, the first year, if you get away from the tweets and you get away from all this stuff, mm-hmm. um, there's an argument to be made that policies were good. If you're going to take a very fiscal conservative, um, socially tolerant approach to things, he obviously had hiccups. Every president does. But I wasn't disappointed with the first year. Um, then he started firing his initial set of advisors, and with each new round of advisors, the policies got worse and worse and worse, which tells you where the policies were coming from. And nepotism keeps creeping in and in more and more every time. Yeah. As the as the years gone by, I was less and less impressed. Now, however, I still have episodes up because in 2020 I did vote for Trump, and I won't be, and I'm not ashamed of that, um, and I'll explain why. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, have an episode with my former co-host where we explained why we were voting for Trump as opposed to Biden at that time, and my biggest reasons at the time was the quote peace in the Middle East stuff. I mean, that place is a quagmire, has been a quagmire ever since the West screwed it up in the 20th century, and it was being calmed down and i thought that was enough and frankly i mean even if you're a biden supporter you you can't look at him and tell me he's not all there i mean he's not all there so 2020 i I vote trump and i have my reasons and i i have to take this lesser of two sides right lesser evil of two sides um approach because i have very big forms with the progressive left and then i wasn't convinced that biden was going to be the stalwart in the middle that he claimed he would mm-hmm. be now i have been pleasantly surprised by that um he has done better than i thought he would in resisting that side of the aisle so january 6th happens and this presents um not an immediate concern for me because you know i'm in law school i'm not 100 percent plugged in i hear mm-hmm. about it and at first i'm inundated you know because i'm getting news from right and left right um, you're I, busy I, and you con- think a few people got out of control a few people got out mm-hmm. of control, and and then you know I, I I did take, and I do think there's some credence to this point, which is why it sticks around. It's like, well, the BLM riots happened for a long time too, and the, not, not much was publicly done. I'm not naive enough to think that stuff wasn't done behind the scenes. Um, so pe- you know, this is just an overreaction, and you know, what's happened really recently with the way the party has treated Liz Cheney, and the way mm-hmm. and the way that that committee has mm-hmm. presented as evidence has mm-hmm. provided a major shift. Mm-hmm. In the way I'm thinking, because what it allowed for was for more moderate Republicans and conservatives like myself to sort of look at the evidence as it was presented 
And if you actually watch the hearings, which is the 90% of the problem on my side, nobody's watching the mm -hmm. damn things. Um, <laughs> you realize, no, there was a lot more to this mm -hmm. than we real, than we thought. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of always like, I, I know 20th century history, I like to think fairly well for somebody in my age. I understand that populism, which is what MAGA always was, is a fire that can get out of control. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was under control. Okay. Oh, that's a, that's a, um, a good way of, of framing it. I, 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 I wondered what your side of the aisle thought about this. Cause like on our side, we're just like, what's going on over here? And well, then it's like a fire. It's like a fire in the belly. Like yeah. you're like, yes, 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 go. And you thought it was under control. That, that says a lot to me of how you guys were thinking and I'm going to frame you as, as, as the uh, poster boy for it because you're the one on the show. Yeah. So. I, I'm so well, lucky <laughs> to hear that a Californian is the poster <laughs> We are making history here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what I like, too, with the interesting perspective, too, is like, you know, you're, you're out there in California, you're in Washington State, you're in college, you're la laser focused on law school, you know. What's happening with January 6th is kind of, you, you don't see it, it's not in front of you. From our perspective, we're progressives in Ohio. And <laughs> all you have to do is walk outside in a big giant Ford F-150 with a don't tread on me flag, doing, <laughs> doing donuts and calling somebody a derog. I mean, it's, so that, 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 that populism that you speak of, that you thought, you know, to think was, you know, kept under control was out in the open here oh, so it, perspective it, really really matters so all the caricatures of like the trump maga people was on full display here in ohio especially like in, in the countryside they're my and, neighbors um, yeah we're in cincinnati which is right next to the kentucky border and all you have to do is secession you just you <laughs> go like 20 minutes down the road and it is, you have these let's go Brandon flags just out on the open. It's not even let's go Brandon. It is, it literally says, fuck you, Biden. Right. And yeah. they're and we everywhere. Have a little bit of that here, but it's not. Yeah. Do you mind, uh, Taylor? I kind of want to want to kind of unfold something because I was really I was really interested in, in everything you were kind of explaining about the way you justified your decisions and and, and people's decisions over time, and and it sounds like especially for twentieth century American history, I think what you really seem to enjoy is how progressive we were and how we were making progress and how we had that narrative, right? And there was something that kind of stuck with me whenever you were speaking about Trump when he first was elected in 2016. You said, take out the tweets, take out those things. Everything else, you know, had hiccups here and there, but I've heard that actually a lot. A lot of people saying, take those things away. And I've been thinking about that a lot more, especially when you get to the January 6th riots. Too many people, I felt, did take those things away, and the narrative started to become a lot more prevalent everywhere. Right. And that and, narrative and drove. Yeah, go ahead. I just, I just kind of yeah, wanted to like, get into that a little bit. Right. And I will say that the policies did change throughout his presidency. You know? well, um, I'm going to be honest with you. Like With COVID, oh my, okay, you want to talk about a really frustrating part of my mm -hmm. show? Go check out my COVID episodes. I lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> my side just jumped the shark on that. Um, as the presidency went on, his policy got worse and worse. Trump actually lost me in about 2019. The Republicans lost me in 2019, in large part because of COVID. 
um, not that I was like a going to lock everything down. I actually wasn't that at all. It was more just a, what are you doing? And what is this denialism? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's, it's, it was and hard even, to pinpoint the origin of that. It was very and, difficult. And yeah. what, um, what kind of frustrated me, because I was just like, why can't he just be a president that's like, we're going to hit. I mean, he could have won re-election in 2019. He could have won re-election with COVID. And just be a president and be like, let's battle this together. When the let's expectations unite. are low, shine, man, shine. Yeah, and yeah. it really kind of puzzled me and frustrated me. It's like, why didn't he just do that? I, I don't understand where his political instincts went wrong. I think I don't think his political instincts went wrong. I think his base went nuts. Because well, the, yeah. the base <clears throat> turned into... Um, this we have to distrust everything the government says. So then, when Fauci goes up there and starts talking, yeah. state-funded scientists go up there yeah. and start talking about COVID. They then have to instinctively just do it. it, yeah. Because my recollection, and maybe you guys see this differently, mm-hmm. but when COVID started, it was the other way around. And I'm talking like that first week. I'm not talking mm-hmm. the rest of it. But like that okay. first week, it was the conservatives who seemed to be more um, concerned about COVID, and it was the liberals who were downplaying more a little bit more you know there's that famous nancy pelosi come to chinatown because they were trying to frame it as mm-hmm. um, oh by Trump the way she's Mar- yours <laughs> <laughs> you can have her no, no. just feed her to the oh, sharks no, yeah no, no. <laughs> no. but I, I i do i do think though you know a lot of it though like when i when i do think about trump's time it it, it usually was the narrative that was set because then once again, it, it's kind of a, that mindset of what Twitter is. It's that mindset of like what his his verbiage is, is that it's quick. It's got to be quick, easy access without a lot of digging. Right. I think we were actually talking before the show. It's like if you know deep things and you'd understand them. But a lot of us don't. And I think COVID is actually a prime example of that. None of us understood COVID because guess what? It was a brand new thing. It was a brand new virus. We had to actually sit back and learn and understand and I think that showed the true colors of both sides, quite frankly. It really showed the true colors of both the left and the right in terms of how they actually handle being able to process information and what they choose to do with it. Yeah. I think that's fair. And it was compounded by like the vaccines also for the average person were new because mRNA right. technology wasn't it wasn't used in vaccines mm-hmm. prior to COVID. Um, so then you had not only did you have this new disease that you could argue about its severity and stuff like that, but now you have this new technology um and an entire side that's become grounded in questioning everything the government tells them right. so now they're being said there's a new vaccine and i'm supposed to just trust it and it's like well actually if you know anything about vaccines this stuff is great <laughs> yeah and right. and and it's so funny because like fear of, of that came from so many different places right some of it became from narratives of people like trump other people i mean you go deep into their culture history cultural history and they have reasons yeah. to fear vaccines so it wasn't oh, for goodness. vaccines or I, mean, I mean you know but y- if y- vaccines would have been <laughs> earlier our podcast would just be called fdr yeah no I mean, <laughs> right yeah <laughs> no wheelchair just dead six feet under <laughs> and i also think it, it it showed how that both sides were just like this one says this one we're going complete opposite well, yeah, like, um, I mean, then Trump got the vaccines out, and then suddenly mm-hmm. every Democrat was like, we don't trust it. And <laughs> right, as, right, like, right. The moment Biden wins, it goes, okay, now get your vaccines. Yep, now Come vaccines on, are great. <laughs> and uh, my, my dad is very conservative, and he was in the military for fucking decades. And he's had every vaccine under the sun, but he was 
on the right side or the the conservative side, and then all of a sudden vaccines were bad. I'm like, Dad, like, what didn't they stick you with? But now, (laughs) now you're against vaccines. It stopped my own son from going in the military. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, why 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 are you not going? The vaccine? I just don't trust it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so, so Taylor, we've we've thrown out some some great names: Donald Trump, Gary Johnson, you know, some of the some <laughs> of the all stars. Nancy, Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi. Can we throw out Diane um, Feinstein as well? I I just want to ask. Fox also, Diane Feinstein. <laughs> I just want to ask. Let's just let's just Very say well. uh, you put on your your campaign hat for a moment, right? What, what your beliefs are, and and I know this might be a little difficult to do. If you were to just like in your mind take party aside, kind of like tell us what your ideal candidate for somebody like president would be. What would you say? Are you telling me to pick a person? Or are you telling no, me no, no, like, like we're talking like you know, like create your own player type of type of deal here. Okay, so recognizing that finances on government scales work differently than personal finances, I'm still a fiscal conservative. I want to spend our money in places where it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to, as a country, this I I forget if this 1950s comment was on or off uh, recording. But, like, we did use to spend money for the sake of doing science. I want to get back to doing that. Um, I think Project Artemis is 30 years too late. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, right? yeah. Right? I, I, used to, why, why is CERN in Europe? Why isn't it in Texas? Well, it, and it should be. And they canceled that. Yes, I'm fully with you because they, they canceled that bill for no real reason. No other... real reason. Because it costs money, and why? And it's not going to make. And it's not going to make money. It's like, well, no. That's how you stay on top. Is you spend money, you discover new things, and you're the first person to make the bomb. That is America. Sometimes um, science is done for science sakes. Science should be done for science sake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm with so this guy. Want- Fuck you guys. Let's do a podcast, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and they well, lasted you know. two episodes. <laughs> two episodes. <laughs> So I would want a candidate who understands that we shouldn't be throwing money at everything under the sun, but we should be focusing it. And it's not that, you know, I like lesser taxes is nice, but if you're going to tax me on gas, which with my new job, I look at how much I'm going to get taxed and I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, I want to see the of it, right? Okay, sure. Uh, we, so in California, we pay a lot in taxes and our roads are still shit. I want to see the roads get paved or just tell me you're not going to pave them and tell me what you're actually doing. That's fine too, as long as I can see the outcome. Um, I, I want... And this is a shift that's happened in the last couple of years. I actually want somebody who recognizes that we are the police power of the world. I don't want to take this isolationist thing much Ooh, further. Okay. Um, Ooh, that's because. At, you sure you're conservative? <laughs> well, not in the path you can kind of way. Right. Yeah. No, okay. that's uh, that was. I'm so, actually a little surprised. Yeah, that that's uh, that. You. No, I want to, and, and, here, and a simple reason why, um, if we're not the police power of the world, someone else is going to be. And frankly, with the other options that could do it, <laughs> I don't like them. You know, it's not yeah. going to be Britain. It's not going to be France. It's not even going to be Germany. And they're like in the middle of the road. I don't really know how to, like, if we should trust them or not. Um, it's going to be Russia. It's going to be China. It's, it's going to be, absolutely. you know, somewhere in that axis. If not a conglomerate of Russia, China, Iran, um, and what's another crappy one that has a decent amount of power? Um, Pakistan, you know what I mean? That would be a really bad axis. Mm-hmm. And if they were, you know, telling all the other smaller countries what to do, then that would be, that would make everybody's life worse. Because I, I don't believe that, say, the, the people starving in Nigeria would be better off under China's policy when China ships its own people into camps to make mm-hmm. our iPhones. Right. So, you know, and I understand, like, 
um, some people on the left would tell me that that makes me a uh, oh the word just escaped me mm-hmm. imperialist and it's like well it's not about imperialism but at the same token if, if not that's, us then if who? that's not us who is it going to be right and do you and do you honestly believe that the poor starving children in Africa are better off under their thumb and yes there's some element of their thumb versus our thumb that's the uh, that is how history works. And I understand that the that it, it sounds awful, and I understand that people want to be people and caring and considerate. But at the end of the day, that's how nations operate. Oh well, yeah, and, and and at that point, you would have a different conversation about what's wrong with our thumb. You know, how can we be working on our thumb? Yeah, and, and we can make right. our thumb better. Right, and, we and, can and have we, that and, conversation. And, I, and, I, and it sounds like I think we could agree right now that in some of those situations where there are people under our thumb, we we we, we have issues. That we, we do need to fix. We abs- absolutely. Oh. Like, I mean, one thousand percent. In so, Iraq. In Iraq. Yeah. So, so it, you know, it sounds like you know to me, um, Taylor. If only they would have ran faster to catch the plane. Come on. <laughs> Stop with your bias. Wow. Wow, dude. Jeez. Damn. This is FDR's wheelchair. <laughs> this is right. FDR's wheelchair. We're gonna say some fucked up shit. I don't care. Man. <laughs> You know, Taylor, I was going to say something thoughtful, but it seems wrong now. Um, good thing you're a lawyer, you know, just in case. I don't know why. It's just it's good that you are, you know, just never know. We can always pivot to that. Yeah. So it's, you know, it it sounds like like some of the the first like things that I'm hearing when you're kind of thinking about your ideal candidates, um, you're thinking about the fiscal responsibility that we have here. And then the overall idea of how and in what capacity we look at foreign nations. That those, like, to me, that's what those were the two big things I was hearing from you. As the number one superpower on the, on the planet, we have a moral obligation to make the world a better place. So that's how I look at it. Now you can say that we, you know, sometimes we're immoral in doing so. Every superpower is going to have that problem. Um, so one final tenet for my ideal candidate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because. This is where, in theory, every conservative says this, but in practice, Republicans are awful at electing people like this. Leave people alone. Be socially tolerant, mm-hmm. regardless of your religion, regardless of if you think mm-hmm. that one verse in the Bible actually means what you think it means. Oh, Taylor. <laughs> Keep going, please. I'm, I'm just so happy to hear this. <laughs> because that's what we, that is the country that we were based off of. The people yeah. who moved here moved here for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. except for the slaves. That was different. And they moved here for a better life. Religious tolerance. In, in religious yeah. tolerance, and even to an extent, like racial tolerance, mm-hmm. if you're talking to the Irish people and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and as we finally grew into our britches a little bit in the 20th mm-hmm. century, we expanded that to other people who needed that tolerance, who were mm-hmm. being oppressed in this very country. Mm-hmm. That, that is what I want. I want fiscal responsibility, not fiscal nothing, not yeah. small state, not no taxes. That's The taxes are fine. I want us to... Pro- Keep pushing the world forward. I want us to keep the world protected mm-hmm. from people who mean to do us and people who think like us harm. Mm-hmm. And I want people to be able to come here and be free and be mm-hmm. tolerated and be safe. So what I really liked at the beginning of this, you talked about how we all want the same thing. And mm-hmm. you were going to rally that conversation around that idea. And look, we're here. Yeah. Um, but one question I want to ask you, we haven't touched on yet, and I've been teasing you a little bit here and there, like, are you sure you're not a liberal? What? what <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> what, is the, what are the major flaws with the American left and the Democratic Party? 
to where you don't identify with that ideology we'll, uh, we'll, let me let me stretch out my arm yeah, real quick I, let, let me get uh, my list <laughs> we'll make notes what's your what's your biggest beef where where are we wrong where is the left wrong you're too ambitious it really comes down to that you're mm-hmm. too ambitious um now i will i, I want to make a distinction here when when i say left the democrats are not left no thank no, you God, no, thank, no. hold on hold on yeah. hold on hold on so yep. you you see the left then as what the left is separate. Comparing the left and the Democrats is sort of like comparing MAGA to the to cons- well, it's, it's I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I just wanted to it's see at what capacity you felt that is n- all. Neither of us see Democrats as left wing. Um, I've had talks with my wife's family and stuff, and they're like, what, the Democrats are your heroes? I'm like, no, no, they're just what I have. <laughs> it, it's not what my ideals are. It just... To us, it, it's sort of it, like what you said. It is our lesser of two evils, yeah. you know, in, in, in a lot of sure. ways with, with elections. So, Sure. Um, so then I'm going to make a separation between Democrats and leftists. Okay. And I'm going to okay. talk primarily about leftists. Okay. 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 Got not it. Getting the, but I don't think you guys are great leftists either. I don't – because when you get into that leftist lane of thinking, mm-hmm. you start pushing more towards that um, collectivist way of thinking. Okay. It gets a lot more violent very quickly. And it, it becomes a way of forceful change. And then there's this – I'm oversimplifying it, but the the ideal is less about equality and more about equity, and, mm-hmm. the, and they sort of get mm-hmm. conflated. Mm-hmm. I don't like equity. I Why like don't equality. you? Um, because equity is a race to the bottom. Hmm. All right, this might be where we start. To, I think uh, this nice is where we're going to disagree. Yeah. yeah. No, and I, I love equality, it. I'm really glad to hear but, that. But that's. But a, I want to hear you explain. But no, that's a great distinction, and I think this is where we're we're. Um, this is exactly where we're diverging, but yes. yeah, no, keep going, man. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, interrupt yeah, you. And if you would do us a favor, make that point again and then explain without us going. Fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so as you start pushing more left, um, it, well, let me put it this way: this is not an ideal world. So we're talking how the real world actually works, not what you know Marx wrote in the manifesto. Um, as you start pushing more left, as a matter of practice, the the system becomes less about equality. And more about equity. Everybody should get the same result. Not that everybody should have the same opportunity. Mm-hmm. In, in practice, that is a race to the bottom. Because everybody can't have a golden castle on a hill filled with, you know, to the brim of all the food you can eat in this posh lifestyle. So, okay. So as a matter of practice, you have to bring the top down. Okay. Um. Mm-hmm. Y- so I think what we, we just jumped on you a little bit there is I think we see equality and equity. I think we see it in different terms. You're saying that you have to bring the top down, which is, yeah, we kind of do, but we don't see it as a race to the bottom and we don't see it. I think we see equity in different terms. And I, I will level with you. If you go, if we go back to our, you know, ideological fantasies where mm-hmm. communists can achieve utopia and libertarians can achieve utopia, equity and equality would essentially be the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, but this is a matter of practice. So that is where the left and the Democrats lose me. Is that as you, you, they have parts of gold. You guys have parts of gold. Everybody oh, wants shucks. better healthcare. Everybody <laughs> wants better education. Everybody wants well-paying jobs for everyone. But as a matter of practice, it's not possible. So we have to work with what we have to make the world better for everyone. Now, I'm a capitalist. If you want to tell me Elon Musk has way too much money, he has way too much money. I agree with you on that one. You know what I mean? But how we're going to rectify that situation 
isn't going to be by capping him off. It's by bringing everybody else up. <laughs> is my side good at doing that? I don't know. I, I think so, and sometimes the problem with policy, too, is that when you want to make a playing field more equal, and that kind of ties into my idea of equity, it's yeah. very difficult to do that. It's it easier is. to write policy that looks like it's giving somebody something, but the result of it is to either bring somebody up, hopefully, or in some cases bring people down. So right. it's so easy to write laws that affect the wrong thing because the root of it is the playing field. And to make that playing field more equal is a really difficult thing to do, and I don't see our policymakers having the capacity to do that. Well, and, and, and something that, that when we're, we're hearing equity, I think, I think our, our big distinction, though, is that you had mentioned like to give good education to people, like to everybody. That, that at times doesn't seem like plausible, but I think we're looking at equity more as, I would even use the word like acceptable, like bare minimum. That's where equity to me kind of comes in. I mean, we're not even talking like we're playing in the same playing fields in some places, right? We're looking at some of these inner city schools that we have where, I mean, you know, if we're running the same race, they got cinder blocks on them, right? That's right. where more of and like I our conversation is. Because I actually was going to straw man a little bit and use them as an example. Okay, um, yeah. Because there's a lot of people on my side. The fact is that equity, when you play it out, when you look at the USSR and you look at China, you look at other stuff, it, it, it doesn't tend to bring the results that it's, its um, supporters think it will. It thinks that it'll bring everybody up beyond that what we would consider right now is acceptable. And don't get me wrong, inner cities, we're failing them. But where you lose a lot of conservatives and you lose a lot of Republicans is when policy is advocated and is primarily racially based or even sex based. When I would say, put that away, go find the, because you know, I think a lot of society's issues, although in the past obviously were more racial and sexual, now we're much more classist, which is funny because I'm a capitalist saying that. Um, go help the inner cities, regardless of who works there or lives there. And if you're going to provide handouts, provide them there and provide them to everybody. Don't do this means testing where you also are taking into account race and gender and all this other stuff. Not because it's inherently bad. Your intentions are phenomenal. They're just also not American because we're supposed to surpass that. But, but at what point did we say racial or sexual? You didn't. That's why I said I'm strong. Oh, okay. I got yeah, you. Yeah, I, no, I understand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I understand. No, you're explaining why you, we're losing the, the conservative okay. side. Sure. Correct. I see yeah. what you're saying. I see Correct. what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, um, and, and I, I do understand that side of it, too, because then, again, our definition of equity becomes even more mm -hmm. like we're, we're on two different, you know, planes uh, completely. Yeah. So I, I do see where, where that is. Yeah. I mean, maybe one of and, you guys can jump in on that. And, and I see what oh. makes it difficult too, because <laughs> one, one, one of the, like you said, America at the beginning is, you know, the, the possibly the greatest experiment, um, experiment on earth ever, but it has flaws. And one of the flaws is that so much of the inequity that we see today tied to poverty is a result of systemic racism and sexism throughout the ages. However, the Correct. solution Possibly, I, maybe what someone on the right might say is that a lot of times we try to create those solutions in the same aura in which the problems were created, and that solution yes. might not necessarily and they be don't the same. Actually solve I'm not the saying I think I'm, that way, but that's yeah. 
I'm with you on that, Taylor. It's, um, you know, when we, we champion things like affirmative action or most recently Biden's uh, debt uh, relief, mm-hmm. we're not fixing the damn problem. We're just putting a oh, band-aid okay, over the dam before it explodes and going, we're better. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it's, it doesn't do anything to, to actually make us progressive and, and move us forward. It's just like, hey, we noticed that there was a leak and we, you know, put our finger in the dam. <laughs> but my, my <laughs> it's like, damn. Right. My, my wife is going to qualify for the student loan forgiveness. <laughs> so is mine. And her, so her debt. Mine. Yeah. <laughs> her debt is exactly ten thousand and three dollars <laughs> i'll give you three bucks i'll give you right now i mean yeah. basically people are getting paid back interest on fake money but yeah. whatever fuck so but that, I, i'm sorry go ahead that the relief does nothing to do what has become to our education system and our our, our uh our upper education system so why is it so expensive in the first place why do we even have to be talking about this to begin with and I think, and I think you agree with us on that situation. Is that this shouldn't be a problem in the first place? We should be sending rockets to the moon thirty years ago, but now we have to. We should be sending rockets to Mars thirty years ago. And the yeah. fact that we're just now going back to the moon is flat out embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Doing the same thing that we did before I was born, <laughs> right. and I'm old. <laughs> so. I have a, I have a very interesting question, and this could go down a very weird rabbit hole. So, if any point yeah, you well, stop me, FDR's wheelchair podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Taylor, one thing that I'm I'm collecting from you is that your ability to to think about America as as the culture that we've had, like to remember our culture and to celebrate our culture, is something that allows us to drive forward, right, and to make decisions now. Would you kind of like? I mean, it's, that's yeah. And we have to reflect on our culture to make it better. So we, we have ideals. We didn't always. We still don't live up to them. But we needed to have those experiences, right? Like in your in your opinion. Well, I, I, I that's a hard one. Um, no, I wouldn't say we needed to have intolerance. I say that they were that people were products of their time, and they still did a good job of getting out of that rut. Okay. Mm. No, I, I got you. And I wasn't trying to set that up in any way. I, I guess. I guess more so. Um, because I, I still, because I'm really glad you, we we talked about equity right now because I, I think that it really is something where we both have good intentions. I've just been thinking, especially with, because you know I think you mentioned earlier, you know, Black Lives Matter, um, in one of our conversations, and and one thing that I'm noticing with some of those groups that you mentioned, like those who, you know, for example, you know, uh, African American community, and then also those communities of of people who. Um, are identifying as a different sexuality. Um, I think one thing that we're starting to see a trend in is that their ability to have a culture or to really take a culture and, and really have have it built up to this point is kind of non-existent, right? I mean, especially I see in a lot of African American communities that they kind of invent their culture over time as we go along because a lot of their history has been it's gone. It's not there. It's not something that they can draw from. And I think that becomes a lot of a conversation that we have within equity. And I kind of wanted to have that conversation with you because I think that's something, and this just might be my personal thing, and it's okay if it is, we can kind of move on from it. But I sometimes find that an issue with the right 
is that I, I think at times there's not a full understanding as to why at times certain elements of, of equity needs to kind of be somewhat racial. And I kind of wanted to have that conversation with you. I, like I said, I know that might be kind of uh, an interesting conversation. I might be a little off base here, but I just wanted to sort of spark that conversation to see where we kind of yeah, go with it. I have to, I don't want, it's not that I'm dancing this, that there, I have to phrase this really carefully. Um, the blunt way of saying is that American culture is not racial, period. Now, because America is an idea, it's not about a place. Because if we were talking about American culture, then none of us would be able to say that anything about mm -hmm. culture because mm -hmm. white or black, we moved the Indians out of the way. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, so when I, I, I hear your point about, let's use, um, let's use African-Americans who have, you know, they were brought here by force and their culture was removed and they no longer identified with their African ancestry. Um, so they have this new culture that they've created here, which every time they create something, you know, it, it makes America better um, and makes our culture more interesting. And then the rest of the country tends to adopt it, whether it's basketball, hip hop, or whatever. Um, basketball, actually, it's not a great example. I'm sure you guys will. <laughs> no, it's, on we're not getting into the semantics um, of basketball, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. Yeah. All good. Um, sort of like, you know, hip hop and jazz and stuff like that, and rock and roll, even. So. I don't look at Americans need to accept that we borrow from everyone else. So where mm -hmm. I take issue with um, when we get into the more racial and cultural sides of the discussion, mm -hmm. politically speaking, is that I, as a, as a white person, am not allowed, you know, to, not that I could do this, braid my hair um, because that's cultural appropriation and it doesn't really work because there are cultures in Europe that do that, but fine. I don't believe that that's acceptable because as Americans, no, we should be borrowing from everyone else. I, I go back to my California roots here. You know who makes the worst food on the planet? White people. And we have so much food. I'm and sorry. I'm sorry. I had, a, I had a shepherd's pie last week. That was awesome. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I fucking love fish and chips, man. Dude, salt and pepper are the two best spices in the world. Sounds like you need to get out of Ohio. <laughs> then you'll realize just how crap all that right? Dude, we are from the city that puts fucking chili on their pasta. So uh, don't. It's fantastic. Don't ask him. Don't don't encourage him, Taylor. It's dude. It's bad, it's man. <laughs> uh, sorry, we, go ahead. You know, when we, regardless of our background, you know, borrow from each other, we make really cool stuff. And when we work together, everything gets better. So when I hear culture, I don't think that we should silo ourselves. Now, that being said, you know, do I think it's distasteful when somebody, um, and I say this to somebody who's partially Native American, when somebody dons a, you know, a headdress for the sake of a couple likes on Instagram? Yeah, it's distasteful. Do I think that you shouldn't be allowed to do it or shouldn't do it? No, because if this is how we're going to gain awareness, mm -hmm. then so be it. You know, I'm just, I, a little bit of a tangent, but like I was having a conversation with somebody who works in uh, construction development, right? And they, they were working down in Kern County here in California, um, which is Bakersfield area. And they, you know, were basically flattening some land out and they found a bunch of Native American artifacts. Um, which means that the tribe came in and said, you're done building here. Under mm -hmm. California law, you must stop until we pull, pull everything out. Mm -hmm. And they were talking to me about how frustrating that was for them because they just need to get the job done and make their money. And I was sitting there, you know, I have a little bit of Native American ancestry in me, and I'm sitting there, there's a whole lot of my background that I will never get to know because it was destroyed. 
So, no, I actually am on the tribes on this one. You could stop your project for six months while they carefully dig everything out and put it in a museum somewhere if so need be. Um, and I don't care how much millions of dollars that costs you because there are some things that are more important than your housing development or your bridge or whatever it is that you're building. Mm -hmm. And that's part of our culture. Yeah. I, I the six months really is temporary, but someone having more knowledge about where they came from and adding to the collective to understand our history is more important <laughs> yeah much more important and our history is the amalgamation of all the people regardless of skin color and sexuality who live here no and i so I, yeah i think i think uh especially especially with what you're mentioning with the native americans i am a full agreement of you with you um i think i think one thing though that was mentioned like you said like you know like they're establishing parts of culture like especially like you brought the, the example of african americans like they're bringing certain culture uh to our country and people celebrate that this is sometimes when I lose the right, though, personally, is that it feels as though there's circumstances or there's like certain things that are acceptable while doing that and other things that aren't. And that's whenever we start getting into Black Lives Matter. And then, of course, we start looking at this from different lenses. Right. And I know that um, it's I had a feeling we agree here. I just want an example. Sure. Um, so I would say. You know, especially like you kind of said, like, you know, they're establishing, you know, different type of music, you know, maybe establishing different styles of sports. We can celebrate that. Right. Everybody seems to get behind that. But then we start talking about things like, I mean, we could bring up police brutality and I know we can go many avenues with this. But then this is where, you know, we're starting to talk a lot more about the, the civil rights side of things, the things that we were trying to get progressive with all the way back from the, you know, 60s on. And that's whenever sure. you start to lose a lot of people. In particular, a lot of people on the right who start to say then that we have a different frame to look at, a different narrative that we're setting with that. And that's whenever they're trying to push and incorporate too many things. Right. Sure. And that's and that's yeah. sort of where like, I, I personally and, and again, I've talked to many people about this. I've, I've seen a lot of different viewpoints from it, but that's where I'm trying to figure things out in terms of like the idea of equity and the ideas of things, because, yes, they are building up their cultures. There's a lot of time when we do celebrate that in the right way, but because again, they're trying to build up so much more than a lot of us already have. This is a huge, huge obstacle. Sure. And this is where maybe you're, you're oversimplifying the right, because there's a lot of tension in the right and even how to handle a lot of these topics, right? You'll have the more libertarian right. Mm -hmm. That sort of agrees with you guys that the police are pigs. Not necessarily. You sure, guys, you know? sure, 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 sure. <laughs> um, so, there, there's a lot of different conversations that are happening on the right as, a, as it comes to you know police brutality and law enforcement support and stuff like that. And where the common thread among the right, generally, if we're going to use that term, is not that police are good. It's that they're necessary. So then they, what's really happening is a reaction to the fringe. And it is a fringe, and I recognize that yeah. of the other side that's saying defund the whole thing, tear hold, you know, tear it down, and replace them with social workers. You don't want a social worker dealing with my white uncle. He needs to be dealt with by a cop who knows how to throw him to the ground when necessary. I feel like yeah. that phrase was used it was, in a really scary, incorrect way yeah, when we said defund the police. And I don't even. I think even the people that were saying it. We're like, no, it's probably not good, but it sounds yeah. good in a chain. Yeah, all of us were like, dude, what the fuck? So many people yeah. backtracked on that right away, like, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, no, um, reallocate re funds. Re reallocate funds. Exactly. Reallocate um, funds of anything. You're going to have to increase funding if you want it to get better, because clearly, what's happening now is not enough. 
And, you know, there is like a section of the right um, who are much more military based and thinking and much more martial arty. You know, they listen to types like Jocko and they say, no, they need to be training more often because at the end of the day, police spend basically a day a year training Mm -hmm. and they carry a gun. The military spends months at a time training before they go and play with their guns. Yeah. And our military is phenomenal as far as militaries go. But our police officers spend a couple weeks in, you know, police academy, which most of it doesn't have to do with a gun. And then they're expected to make split-second decisions as to whether or not the person (laughs) running at them is actually a threat or committing suicide by cop. Right. And And what what is it? The average age of a new police officer is like three or four years under when the brain's fully developed in the first place, I believe. I believe it's about Sounds right. I believe it's it's about 22. And yeah, 25 is when the brain, you know, is fully developed. So yeah. that's yeah. always fun to, to add that nice little tidbit. Of a lot of police recruits go in right yeah. after high school. Yep. They get out about the age of 22, and your brain's developed about 25. How old are you, Ben? I'm 27. <laughs> so 27. I've had a couple years. Wait, you know, Taylor, so. how, Taylor, how old are you? And I still wouldn't give 20. you a gun. <laughs> oh, you'd never give me a gun. What? No. I'm 25. You're 25. His brain just got developed. See, that's why he's smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why everything's making sense. You know what, though? Like, And I know I want to talk more about some stuff, but I, we were talking before this, this started is that um, we said that we were going to have maybe a lot of different opinions on things, but our goals were really all the same in, in a lot of ways, like the things we wanted to achieve. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I tell you what, that's exactly, I feel like, what we're I think this conversation has kind of very proved that. I think, Taylor, you really hit that on the head. Um, with the way we think about things differently, we go about it differently, but we're trying to come to the same arc in the circle. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I even just appreciate, like, uh, oh, sorry, Taylor, I was just going to say, I really appreciate, like, how you, you even explained, too, because in a way, you are right, like, in the sense, no, right, Jesus. Sometimes the word right <laughs> and left, like, you're speaking is tough. Um, but, you know, I, I found myself in... Only a few conversations about police brutality, probably more than I wanted to, but you, you even put it you know, in, in good terms for me. I, maybe I'm oversimplifying things in a lot of ways with, with this conversation, and you know, even though we might maybe have some different opinions or I've had different opinions from people, that's like good for me to hear. Like It's a good thing for me to understand something like that, that it maybe in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of us do have very similar goals. In, in those right. uh, and the oversimplification is coming from my side too. If anything, our side might be mm-hmm. worse at it because they'll, what they'll do, the BLM is actually a great example. So, like, I have no issues with the people who are marching during the day and early, you know, evening hours in cities across the country who are peacefully protesting. I have no issues with them whatsoever. Um, I question the merit of the particular protest, depending on which incident we were talking about. But fine, you are that's your American right. As long as you're peaceful about it, leave it alone. And then what a lot of people on my side did was they take they took the people who weren't there for BLM. They were there to loot. They were there to cause damage. They showed up after mm-hmm. everyone else left and caused the scene. Yeah. They weren't about social. They're not political. And they, they're uh, hanging on the coattails. No. They're coming. Anybody, yeah. yeah. And they showed up in black block, and they used mm-hmm. those tactics. Um, Antifa is something that comes to mind. It's really hard to pinpoint what Antifa is. Mm-hmm. It's another thing my side has oversimplified. Um you know, those people are really what I'm against. And then the organization that has this really, really true slogan, Black Lives Matter, is run by people who follow an ideology that, if you take it to its logical conclusion, in my opinion, actually ends up being the opposite. People suffer, mm. needlessly. So, you know, you had a lot of people with good intentions who didn't know what they were following, who were who 
for I think in a, the good majority of the time had a point. George Floyd, there was a point to be made. What the hell was Derek Chauvin doing for that long um, on his neck, right? Mm-hmm. And even to an instance like, well, there were some shenanigans with Breonna Taylor, and that was one of the shakier ones, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And Jacob Blake, even though that one was shaky, like, well, it could have been handled better, and it should have been handled better by both sides. Um, and there is something to be said that society needs to do better for people who have been systemically oppressed, but I don't think that that should be something that is primarily based in a racial solution or a racial tagline. It should be an American thing where we bring everyone up and recognize our past and maybe stop letting douchebags become cops. Yeah. Um, you said something very... I, I want that to be a slogan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want douchebags to be cops. You said something very interesting there, um, which I think it's lost in the messaging of a lot of things. It let it be an American solution. Um, yeah. That could be very simple or it could be very complicated. Um, I, I think it can come from a, a point where I think you're saying it as a, um, a place of earnest, or it could be very miscued um, with, especially what we're seeing from certain parts of the Republican party where they want this right. Christo-nationalist ideology. American solution may seem very different to you and I or to someone mm-hmm. of uh, a minority descent. Right, and that's become so frustrating is they bastardize the term. What the, they're doing the is... The commonality, of what, the commonality of what we can agree as America, what America is, the country's not ready for that yet. We need to be. We desperately need to be, but just to be able to define what American means and what American solution looks like is an obscure idea to a lot of people. Yeah, the the narrative is usually what America isn't right now. And and I think that's where I'm trying to bring up the issue is uh, um, America means a lot of different things to different people, and I don't think we've quite unified that um, ideal yet. Right, and I would argue that, you know, America was more American in the way that I'm talking about it as soon as 2012 to 2016 in those years um, because thanks to populism on the right, uh, we've sort of been pulled back into this more nostalgic um, way of thinking. That's very, we very possible, yeah. And people in my position have failed when they refuse to take the word back in conversations because you are far from the first person to make that exact point with me. And that's mm-hmm. why I say it the way I say it. That's why I say I'm a conservative, not a Republican. Because when I say I'm a conservative, that means I'm an American. When I say I'm an American, that does not mean that I'm looking towards the 1950s, the good old days. They were not. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at it as an ideal of freedom, tolerance, big ideas. Capitalism, tolerance, big ideas. Mm-hmm. You can boil it down to that. And I really make it a point. I try to do this on Twitter. I haven't done it as much recently. Of making that distinction. Where America isn't about a group of people specifically. It's not about the past. It is, it is all about where we're going and how to get there yeah. it's all i want and if people like me don't have that conversation and don't scream it at the top of our lungs then the terms gonna get bastardized because unfortunately like we're, if i can go back to my history a little bit when i was growing up i was kind of taught and sort of believed that the patriotic party was the republican party and the democrats were sort of un-american you know i was wrong but that was what i was believed and that messaging has sort of continued and the democrats have done a really bad job about being patriotic 
Because it's turned oh, into God. Oh, yeah. awful. Yeah, awful. <laughs> and honestly, if you if your side wants to fix it and leftists, I don't understand why you guys haven't done this. Um, start being proud of the country and its achievements, and look back to people like Kennedy and FDR as mm-hmm. more of the bulwarks that you guys can look up to and right. use the term American and bring the ideology back towards reality without demonizing the country because you've spent so much time demonizing the country that now there is an entire side that thinks that nothing you say is American, which is unfortunate because it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's done by a fringe. I understand that. I understand lots of Democrats and even leftists are proud to be American because they understand a little bit more of what's going on. But that's not what the high level picture of the two parties reduced down to their fifth grade level appear. It appears that if you're patriotic, you should be conservative. And if you're not, you're a liberal. And which is yeah. absurd. And that part of the right has done a great <laughs> job of creating that caricature. And the left has completely the, the Democrats have completely well, and, failed with that. And you've nailed it though. You have totally nailed it because the Republic Party, we've mentioned it before on our, our show quite a bit. They are so good at making things sound a lot dumbed down like in terms of like mm-hmm. slogans in terms of like rallying points in terms of ways to get people to feel like this is the side of america like and they're right. great at it i think they're actually fantastic yeah. we're, the democrats suck at it they're oh, we're, so bad they're at it. terrible <laughs> um taylor i'm gonna use your words real quick um against from- him not a, no, 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 sorry. no, no. Oh, I was getting ready. Tamper down there, to sorry. uh summarize what he literally just said okay, sorry so sorry. um I'm the guy that uh, liked you on Twitter for that quote you said. Um, Twitter's my aspect of the the, the, the podcast. So you have a pinned tweet that says, One of the greater informational victories against Americans is Republican distaste for the word liberal. To be liberal is the conservative position for the U.S. A liberal is not a Democrat, and the word should be retaken. Absolutely. I love that tweet, and it will probably stay up as my pen tweet forever. Yeah. I, I, I initially, because, of course, we vetted you, or I vetted you, because um, these guys don't know when they just show up. Um, uh, and I, I, you were like, oh, this is my Twitter handle, so, of course, I went on, and I saw that tweet, and I'm like, we got to get this guy on. We have to get him on. So, um, Because that's not something that comes from your side very often. Usually, liberal is a dirty word. It is a word that is made, like you said, seeming that we are not American, that we are not patriotic, that we want to see this country um, fail. Um, mm-hmm. But you saying that it's it's not a Democrat, it's, it's, it's our word. It's an American word. Right. We are, we are a liberal republic, liberal democracy. We are open. Use that term. Yeah. yeah. Liberal republicanism, classic. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, and, and you look at our fa- like our founding president. The, we all hold Lincoln in higher regard than anyone else. Some people do Reagan, and they're huh? wrong. Um, well, you Lincoln just was, you just excited sorry. all three of us. <laughs> I just trickled down in my pants. <laughs> I was thinking McKinley, but go ahead. Lincoln was exceptionally liberal, and he still was able to hold the country together when it was tearing itself apart because there was this branch that wanted to hold on to the past and were willing to go to war over it. And he freed the slaves. That was an incredibly liberal idea at the time. And now we look back and can you imagine if Lincoln mm-hmm. ran today and how he would be treated if he took that kind of issue, but just in a, with a modern problem right? and tried to run as a Republican? Yeah. His but, own party would denounce him. Yeah, somebody yeah. would shoot his brains out. Yeah, they would do the same with Jesus. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, that went that, that was a back yeah. to back there. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we're taking this seriously, Phil. Taylor, I gotta say though, man, this is I'm so thankful for this. Like, thank first of all, thanks for coming on. Um, because this is this is again like we need to be doing more of yeah. this. Um, and I, I gotta say too that uh, something that we like doing uh, whenever we kind of get closer to the end of the shows is uh, we try to say that we learn something every week. And usually whenever we're not here, we don't learn shit. You know, we're just talking for like an hour straight. Uh, I feel like I've learned something this week. Yeah. You guys feel like you learned something? For sure. Absolutely. Brandon, you want you want to start? What'd you, what'd you learn today? I, I feel that um, as much, not that I learned it, but I'm, it, it solidified my idea that we are not just the talking points on news, that our ideas do come together and we're not just brought together to bash heads and to um, say that your idea is wrong, your idea is wrong. We are, we can see it from this point of view and this point of view and be like, yeah, but we both want to go here. Yeah. That's what I learned. That's what I maybe didn't learn it today. I kind of knew, always knew it, but it reconfirmed that ideal. Sure. Sure. I learned that rekindled hope is very, very possible and probable. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And helpful. And helpful. I, I think I learned no matter how you know well informed you are, uh, I think we all naturally follow like this mental script in our heads. You know, um, we mentally are set on things that we say and things that we believe, even if we are constantly trying to change and learn that information. So it's always good to just have moments where we take a step back and really think about what we're saying and, and understand um, we are a social experiment. You know, we still are. It's it's what, you know, we're built on. It's what we're going to be continuing to do. And that you got you to gotta experiment along with it, I guess. And uh, Taylor is our guest. You get to go last. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that there are monsters on this planet who put chili on their pasta. <laughs> dude, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's insane. There is. And it's, it's not even, they call and it chili, but it's not chili. It's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's Turkish. It's Turkish. It's a cinnamon base. It's delicious. No, it's, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. So it's something, right. if you were to eat a Big Mac, you'd be like, that's real meat. Because you just had Skyline. <laughs> Dude, it's so like Taylor, this, it's it, this meat slop. It's so fucking good. That they put on, uh, like, these, like, mushy spaghetti noodles. <laughs> and they're like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then they put all this shredded cheese on top. Oh because... God. What's underneath is terrible, so they just put oh, cheese on it, makes it better. But listen, listen to home. these guys; they're I'm just like, "Oh my god!" So Taylor, I got one last. Like there was two, there was three really good answers. Somebody just had to have an. Awesome <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so you said you're 25 years old. I am. You're just starting a law career. Um, yep. Where do you see yourself 20 years, 40 years, 50 years from now? What 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 are your big life goals? Oh, that is such an impossible. No, we're not in a job interview. Where <laughs> will you be? In 20 years. No, well, what are your aspirations? What, Here, what are, let me put it your, this way. Three years ago, you, four years ago, I thought I was going to be a doctor, and today, today I am a lawyer. I am under no illusion that I have any idea what's going to happen. Oh, dude. Okay, come on now. When I was starting college, I thought I was going to be a street musician, and then four years later, I moved up to teacher. Well, you look so, like a street musician. Yeah, so, so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do. I do. Um, so, you know... I, I would say, yeah, for you, it's like, oh, yeah, I wanted to make this much money saving lives. Now I want to make this much money <laughs> helping people. I really need it. So, man, good on you, man. 
Good on you. Uh, it was definitely about the money for sure at, at, at first. And then when I sort of stepped away from the doctor thing, it became more actually about helping. Um, although again, I'm not a, I, I'm not a public defender. God bless those people doing God's work. I can't do it type of thing. Um, so I'm going to change your question because 20 years, 10 years, I can't do that. Five years, the goal is to be professionally skilled enough to maybe move, you know, into a DC role. Um, there, there are people in my life who are trying to get me to run for local office. I really mm -hmm. hope I don't feel the need to do that because mm -hmm. that means we failed. Um, <laughs> but there, there's there's a possibility that I may run in 24 in my local jurisdiction if the candidates continue to suck as bad as they have on all levels. All right. Well, you know, if someday, you know, when we're still alive, we see uh, Taylor's big, you know, political sign out there. I'll... You mean if I'm still alive? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah that's that's literally what we meant. <laughs> so, hey, I, want to be, I want to be clear. If there's ever a sign in Ohio for my name, the country has it's gone. Fun. Seriously. Exactly. Is <laughs> you have to make a campaign stop at the local chili parlor. <laughs> <laughs> Eat it, and you son of a bitch. About how you monsters put chili on your pasta. <laughs> we'll, we'll just replay that clip in Ohio over and over again. No, I, I do love that, though. What did we learn today? We're giving profound. And he's like thinking 30 minutes ago, God, they fucking put chili on their goddamn spaghetti. It's true, man. It's true. And it's it's, and then they put onions and... And, which and every even, time it comes up, he has to go on about. Oh yeah, no, he doesn't stop. It's it's like it's an abomination. Then they to call him. it a three way. <laughs> oh, they do. First yeah. time I moved here about five years ago, a lady just looked me dead in the eye. You want a three way? And you yeah. know, of course, my, my pants are halfway down. <laughs> and you know, it's like you, oh. But imagine covered in all that chili spaghetti <laughs> so, during yeah. the three way. On on <laughs> Mother's Day, they go get your mom a three way for the, this Mother's Day, and you're like, Jesus Christ, Mama would like, Mama would like. <laughs> And everyone's lining up at the drive-thru. <laughs> Skyline gets some weird phone calls. <laughs> oh, man. Taylor, thanks so much, man, for taking some time out of your, your evening. So you probably, I'm guessing, like, what? Uh, can't do math. Like, close to 7.30 around your place right now? or uh, 7.16. 7.16? Okay. So, you know, That's weird. It's 10.32 here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. I like... didn't see the clock. <laughs> okay. Good job on the time zones, Ben. Yeah, They're I mean... teachers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I won't repeat my joke I said earlier. <laughs> fair. 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 We're going to go uh, work at just eight more months and then, um, you know, take a nice little nap. You, you said it, not me. <laughs> All right. But, uh, guys, one last time. This is uh, Taylor Elin. Um is your podcast on hiatus or is it done? It, I am. It's on hiatus. Hiatus. Um, if you want to follow me, the best place to go is Twitter at Taylor Elon. Whatever I'm doing, it'll be there. Perfect. And you can make fun of me on Twitter, and I have a couple of followers who do that, and it's a lot of fun. So don't be shy. Come over here, razz me, tell me I'm wrong, and I'm an idiot. Hey good. guys, you heard him. <laughs> we got enough people on our side that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Well, Taylor, again, uh, appreciate you coming on, and uh, don't be a stranger. Um, uh, uh, if you ever want to come back on again, you're more than welcome. I speak of for course. both Thank of you them. For having so. me. If you ever just want to yell at some uh, liberal commies, uh, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now, you know, I'll take you up on that. I'm sure at some point. <laughs> All right, man. Well, appreciate it. So, and uh, this has been a legacy of FDR in his wheelchair.